Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. He's to the 45. He's oh, to the 50. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in midfield of the O, is he? Wow. Yes, he is. Rattler again to throw it. Steps up in the pocket. Throws it the run. Alright guys, welcome to the Global Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast. I'm your host, Kamir Amurabi, and joined by my co-host, Stephen Brown. Stephen, how has life been treating you? It's good. I think uh, I think my, my fantasy team might actually win this week, so that's been a bit... Big uh, big turnaround from last week when I started Aaron Rodgers, and that was just a mm. horrendous day. So it's 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 going okay. I've seen Aaron Rodgers do better in his Geico or whatever State Farm commercials than he has recently playing football. <laughs> We're in Jeopardy. Yeah, Jeopardy. He's a Jeopardy too. host. So, and most people thought you know that draft of late he might have been a steal. One Cowboys forever says sup guys. Hey, one boy, one Cowboys forever. But uh, people thought like the draft of late because he came to camp that they were getting a steal. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that is the case anymore. But man, it's been a Stole week. Stole a win from me. Yeah, they, they, they did steal a win from you. That's that's definitely for sure. I got Kyler Murray, so I got no worries. Kyler Murray, Lockett. Uh, who else? Travis Kelsey, all those dudes. So you're so, having a, a pretty good year. I'm having a pretty good year so far. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be two and zero after after today. But let's talk about what we need to get to. We've had a day because a lot of people they have their post game podcast right after, which is nothing wrong with that. I like that. Uh, I like to take a day, especially afterwards. I'm not a big fan of podcasting right after because a I may or may not be in the correct mental state, whether that be emotionally or just physically as far as what I have consumed throughout the day and B I've gotten to rewatch the game and kind of take a more rational approach to this sort of deal. So let's get on with the actual stats. The Sooners do defeat Nebraska Norman 23 to 16. There's no Woody Washington. There's no Billy Bowman. Oklahoma has nine possessions and scores on one third of them, three of them. They have 214 yards passing. Nebraska actually 289. Adrian Martinez had a higher QB rating than Spencer Rattler. Oof. Oklahoma has 194 yards rushing, so fantastic because, of course, Nebraska is playing the soft zone, which OU should have taken more advantage of the entire day. Nebraska 95 yards, which their rushing is simply just their their offensive line is not good. 
And Adrian Martinez is the running game, man. Oklahoma contained him pretty well. They 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 managed five sacks. They could have had about eight or nine if they had just gotten more hands on him. The Sooners forced one incredible turnover. Like in a I've I've that's like Odell Beckham stuff I've never seen before in my life. Uh, at the same time, I was of the thought that I really wish like he would have just you know not caught the ball because considering the situation where OU was at that time of game, because, you know, Lincoln Riley at the end of games and tight in tight games, he tends to get a little bit antsy in his play calling and more predictable. So I was like, "Eh, oh, you could use like 25 yards and not at their own three, but he even said it himself, but it was incredible. It was an amazing play. And then Lincoln Riley actually, actually talked to the official jokingly, but let's react to this game. Just in general, what are your first takeaways after watching it and then maybe after rewatching it today, uh, this morning, late last night, et cetera? Uh, I think the the initial reaction was just this isn't a team that we thought it was. Um, You look at the production, obviously it's not there from Spencer Rattler as it was last season. Uh, I don't think he played terrible. Um, I think his stats were okay. But there's, there's some continuity issues with Spencer Rattler and maybe there might be some leadership issues on the offense as far as just getting everybody on the same page. Um, so from that standpoint, I thought Oklahoma just has to do a lot better um, on the field. And I think also you look at Lincoln Riley and the play calling. Um, there was just some weird, weird play calls throughout that throughout that game. Um, and I thought he could have done a little bit better to settle in that offense. Um, uh, maybe get some things going on the ground a little more often um, instead of later in the game. And I think he alluded to that after the game. He kind of wished that he may have just gone with a hot hand and, and ran the ball a little bit more. But uh, I think, you know, offensively, OU isn't where they need to be. Um, I don't think they're too far off, if that makes sense. But they, they have uh, some work to do on, on the offensive side of the ball. No, I agree. Uh, I, I think I think that, Spencer Rattler, of course, they weren't. I don't think they were expecting Nebraska to settle down in a soft zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, when they did that, when they are trying to make the plays that are usually there, you see Spencer Rattler trying to go over the top a couple times and almost get intercepted a couple times. You saw the same thing against Tulane. It's kind of like NCAA football or Madden when the defense tries to keep literally everything in front of them. The same thing that Iowa State does to OU every single year that it will be frustrating and sometimes the offense will try to force throws over the top and that'll get you in trouble. And so instead of making plays over the top or intermediate throws, you have to go those underneath routes, which are going to take more time. It gives you more room for error because you're, you're having more plays. Of course it takes more time off the clock. So you get, you limit those possessions. So there's a lot of things that go into that in that the fact that OU is one third, 33% on converting any of those possessions into points is not good. Uh, the offensive line better Nebraska's front seven. I mean, again, they're actually pretty good. Nebraska's front seven. I thought yeah. would be a test for OU's offensive line. Despite their soft zone. I thought OU's run game was really well, uh, really well played out. I mean, regardless who was in there at center, of course, rain came in and they were better at running the ball. You got to see where Eric Gray got to do against an, a legit D1 opponent. You got to see what Kennedy Brooks is, smooth as butter, especially with Andrew Raymond there. I wish I wish that Spencer Rattler would slide still instead yeah. of trying to shoulder somebody and then try to get a 15-yard penalty near the goal line. 
And uh, we got a question in the in the chat from Trent Pence that says Kyler Baker, Jalen Spencer, rank them. Uh, let's and so what are you gonna do? Rank them from? Let's go from four to one. So not worst because these are all good quarterbacks. I mean, three of them are the are starting quarterbacks in the NFL, and one of them is a starting quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners. So which one are you taking last? And then let's go to the which one are you taking? first out of like you know everything else oh at four it's easily spencer rattler at the moment um, mm-hmm. i don't think he's really um become the player that we thought he is he's still i mean the arm talent's obviously there but can he put it together upstairs uh between the ears i don't think he has that just quite yet so i'll take him at four and then jalen hurts at uh at three i think um you know jalen isn't the dynamic arm talent that the others are but he finds a way to win um, and he, he's a, he's a strong leader. So, um, I would take Jalen hurts at three. And I mean, this is the debate is the Mayfield right. versus, versus Murray. Um, and I'm going to go, I'll go Mayfield at two and Murray at, at one. That's a, I've, I've got, man, I've got the same thing right now, considering Jalen hurts indeed is actually starting and playing relatively okay with the Eagles. And then Rattler, like we said, we said this several times. If he makes that mental leap, because he has the talent, he is a talented quarterback. His arm ability, his his poise in the pocket when he does have protection and when he is going through his reads, his accuracy, he is probably one of the better ones, if not the best one, on that board. But between the ears, as far as knowing the defense, playing within the offense, playing within what Lincoln Riley wants him to do, that's where we're seeing those issues. Right? It's 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 not the fact that he's just not a good quarterback. And so for the people that are calling for Caleb Williams, uh, you need to stop. It's, <laughs> it's not that. No, it's not that homie. That's not the way. And you got to let him grow. And we saw this in Baker Mayfield in his second year at OU too. Like do are, are people like just for, for getting context and all this other stuff. Baker Mayfield also refusing to go to the check downs, play with the offense, always wanting the ball, deep shots, kill shots, and it didn't work out, and they started one and two. And then once he started to play within the offense, once it, Lincoln Riley started reining him in, which is something that Lincoln Riley needs to do with Spencer Rattler, then the offense started to click a little bit more. Because this team, because my reaction in general is this: this team is talented. They are a good team. Like of all the pieces they have compiled on offense and defense, this is a good team. But what happened as far as at the beginning of the game, this didn't happen at the end of the game, which also makes me upset about the defense. Once again, even though we don't really have that much room to be upset at the defense. I mean, they were the ones that effectively played pretty well. well some people are mad. The offense. Some people are mad, but like, I, I don't know why, because the defense like relatively again, saved Lincoln Riley's butt because the offense couldn't get it done because he was predictable on those last series and gave it to Nebraska with one last time to go into score and maybe go for two. At the beginning of the game, I th- I was thinking, oh, no, because I had Mike Stoops flashbacks of, are they really going to try to contain Adrian <laughs> Martinez and make a non-throwing quarterback beat them with his arm, which almost never works out. And they didn't. They did that at the, at the beginning, and then they settled in and started getting after him. Well, then, of course, people understood that well, a lot of people don't understand this. So I, I've, I've noticed on the timeline, but a lot of people also do understand this. So I'm not trying to like poke fun at anybody. 
what makes it difficult about defending people like Adrian Martinez is the fact that he can use his legs. And that's and the reason why Kyler Murray was so d- difficult, not just because he was so accurate and such a good quarterback and he had it between his ears is the fact that he had the threat of running the ball. Jalen Hurts, same thing, the threat of running the ball. And so once he acts like he's about to take off, it opens up playmakers, tight ends, dudes over the middle, everywhere. And that's just not the case for Spencer Rattler. He's not a threat to run. Baker Mayfield, you <laughs> knew he'd take off. Uh, Kyler Murray, you knew he'd take off. Jalen Hurts, everybody knew he was going to take off. Spencer Rattler, he's the going to sit in the pocket. He's not that great of an athlete as far as getting like <laughs> – it's it's interesting. Baker Mayfield had more has more of a, of a burst of speed than yeah, Spencer we saw that Rattler today. did. It's just Baker unbelievable. A rushing touchdown. Yeah, it's just, it's just wild, but, and so that it, that's just the thing I noticed. And of course, OU once they needed on defense, flip the switch and starts getting after Adrian Martinez. They could have had like eight or nine sacks, ended up with only five, but still five sacks. You know, in in five point five yards on the ground against Nebraska, a team that has a good solid front seven is pretty good. But we're coming here for a post game podcast, right? But a lot of this feels a lot bigger than Nebraska. A lot of this feels like, I mean, I know Bob Stoops, even on that Fox Sunday or Saturday, whatever the heck they were calling it, big new, I don't know. I know he's going to, he says he thinks Nebraska is going to be a decent, a decent team or whatever. They're going to finish with the winning record. I don't buy it. I don't think they will, uh, especially in the big 10. I mean, they lost to Illinois. They lost <laughs> OU and they beat up on two bad teams. Um, OU, they, these, skinned by Tulane after that positive showing the first half. And then we're up by two scores against Nebraska. And of course, had Nebraska had a short field, et cetera. But what are the problems that you think are holding this team back? Because this team brought a lot of people, people brought a lot of Sooners back. They brought a ton of people with starting experience back. I mean, despite them three and being three and oh, because they're going to people that they're going to say, Oh, well, this team's three and oh, like, why are you complaining? Oklahoma State is three and oh, like who who cares? And so what are the problems that you think are holding this team back right now? Well, we've talked about the offensive line, and I think the offensive line actually played a little bit better today, especially when Andrew Rame came in. Um, I think Marquise Hayes, I think he played a really, really good game. I w- went back and watched it a little bit, and I thought the interior of that offensive line, Straight I don't throwing, think, dude. yeah, I don't think it's as much of a problem as we, we made it out to be a couple of weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. Tackles, obviously. Still some question marks there, but the offensive line, um, I think, is the least of their worries right now. Um, one thing I did notice, I think at the skill position, there's just really not a number one guy there. Um, you were kind of hoping that it would be Jaden Hazel, and he's really improved over these past couple of weeks, but he's definitely not the number one wide receiver as far as, like, if you look back, um, like a D.D. Westbrook or a C.D. Lamb, um, he's just not that impact player. Um, and I think this offense is struggling to find that number one guy. Um, they have a lot of guys that can make plays and make, make catches, but I don't see that many yards after the catch as I used to. Man, I was thinking about, I didn't even think about that. I was thinking about this. Remember that guy? Uh, I think he was the Eastern Carolina or Coastal Carolina coach that talking about how they had too many cats in their team and he wanted more dogs. And he's like, <laughs> we have too many cats on this team. Meow, yeah. I look good. We need more dogs. 
I that I kept on thinking about that after the game on Saturday. And of course, like I'm probably wrong because that was just a knee-jerk reaction. But it feels like a lot of the team, they they are super talented. A lot of them are four or five star guys. Uh, do they have any game breakers? Like when they're given the chance, can Marvin Mims be really awesome? Yeah. Can Eric Gray, when he's given the opportunity, be, opportunity be really awesome? Sure. And I'm just, I'm just not seeing it right now. And I, nobody's seeing it right now. I mean, like they're not blowing any teams out. I mean, they were favored by Nebraska by 22 points. They were favored uh, to Lane by a lot of other points. And so right now, it, it's kind of con- it's it's concerning to me. Like mm-hmm. to me, it feels like it's almost a culture thing as far as they expect to win and they want to look good. But there's, I don't see, a, and I mentioned this prior to the season, I don't see a leader on the field. And I, I talked to y'all last night about this in the group. It's like, what is the difference? Because last year you had Ronnie Perkins, who said he literally blacked out sometimes because he would go so crazy on the on the field, <laughs> on the sideline. Like, And he's also a leader on the field. And then you bring everybody back, and besides Ronnie Perkins, but you supplant him with Jalen Redmond, who's also very talented. And then on offense, you've had Baker Mayfield, who was a leader, that that dude would just get the team together and be like, you already go score. Kyla Murray, which everybody just followed his lead because everybody knew with him on your side, you're luckily going to go score. Jalen Hurts, say all you want about him, about his leadership tactics and work, working out after games. <laughs> At least the guy would put his helmet down. At least he would be willing to lay his body on the line 100% of the time. And he would try to be a leader too. And as well, CeeDee Lamb was there trying to be a leader as well. And so right right now, like who are the leaders on the team? Like who, who is the leader on offense that you look to? Do you, do you think Spencer Rattler is that guy? Because Kennedy Brooks took a year off. I don't think the people, I don't think the team believes him to be the leader that he is. Of course, you don't have a... Um, you don't have a, oh my goodness. Why am I blanking? Why do I always Creed Humphrey? You don't have the Creed Humphrey anymore. You don't have, you don't have a lot of guys anymore. And so I was like, what in the world is going on on offense? And then on defense, who's, who's the leader? Is it Pat Fields? And why is Justin Broyles playing so much? (laughs) That that was my, that was my first question. We talked about that quite a bit. And, um, but it's just like, who is the leadership there? So is it a culture thing? Is it a leadership thing? Because this feels bigger than OU versus Nebraska. This feels like a team thing. It's a little bit of a culture thing, but I think in the past couple of years, that culture's improved drastically um, as far as just being accountable on and off the field. Um, I think it's more of a leadership thing because we see Spencer Rattler trying to be that guy. Uh, when he puts his shoulder down, tries to run through a tackle, and we're just like, just slide, bro. Um, mm-hmm. But he tries to do the the tough play and gets up and tries to rally the guys together. But um, I don't think that's really his thing. Like, that was a Jalen Hurts thing, and everybody got behind Jalen um, when he did that. But that's not what Spencer Rattler's known for. Like, just go out and be who you are. Be, be the gunslinger that you are. Um, don't try to be someone else. Uh, but I don't think, like on the offensive line, maybe Marquise Hayes, maybe mm. um, Tyrese Robinson. I mean, you kind of saw him being a little bit more vocal, but those two guys, I would just suspect those are the leaders because, um, you know, for Marquise Hayes, he's a guy that can talk and then go out and back it up. So um, right. at the skill position, I don't really see anywhere that 
that will do that. Like CD Lamb was never a big vocal guy, but when you needed something from him, he was going to get it for you. And that's why everyone thought he was a leader. Right. Um, I don't think they have that guy on offense. And so we got a comment. Uh, it says, let's just be honest. OU is soft. Do you think, do you think OU is a soft football team right now? Not, on, not necessarily on defense, because I think OU's defense wants to go and actively hurt people. But do you think OU's <laughs> offense is soft? Um, a little bit. I think on both sides of the ball, you, you saw some, some timidness here and there. I think there's one play where um, it was on the sideline. You just kind of saw Pat Fields just watch a guy drag someone down instead of getting involved. And then, you know, two hours later, you watch the Alabama-Florida game. Um, you have a corner dragging down a Florida receiver, and then a, a defensive lineman just takes out both of them. Um, you don't really see that with Oklahoma. You don't see that that physicalness that was there last year. Um, so in a way, yeah, they're a little bit a little bit softer than they were. I wouldn't call them, you know, the softest team in the Big 12, but right. they've definitely taken a step back as far as physicality on both sides of the ball. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Buying insurance can be complicated, and you might have a lot of questions, like, what if my policy doesn't cover that? Or, what if I need to make a claim in the middle of the night? Good news, State Farm is there for all your what-ifs. You can reach them 24-7, talk through any questions with your agent, and you can even file a claim on the State Farm mobile app. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com to get a quote today. So, a lot of people would say this because the offensive line, I mean, to their credit, they played actually pretty well on Saturday. I was pretty pleased with that. I haven't looked at their grades yet, uh, but after my rewatch, I was like, okay, Spence Rattler had some time, especially in the second half. He made some moves. He made some readjustments and he obviously got coached up a little bit in the second half to step up in the pocket and deliver those balls, which was really nice. Drake Stoops had some really clutch, inter- uh, clutch interception, clutch reception. So it was really nice. You saw Jaden Hazelwood, be the leading receiver, which was also really nice. But again, the roots of the problem that OU had against Tulane and Nebraska, a lot of people are going to come back to Lincoln Riley and Spencer Rattler. Um, The offensive line, they look, they're progressing. You can see that those reps that they got in Western Carolina are kind of paying off, but at the same time, Nebraska gave them that to force them to have longer sustainable drives where it seems like OU is limiting Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray to around 15 carries a game, which I don't think is ideal at all. I think if for Lincoln Riley, I mean, Jaden Knowles is probably as a walk-on is probably better than some of the, than some of the scholarship running backs he ever had at East Carolina or Texas tech. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he is a jitterbug speed mentality has good hands. Why are we not using this guy? You got Jay. And of course you have other H backs there too. But how much of it is it is a mix between Lincoln Riley? How much of it is a link, mix between Spencer Rattler? Is it a yes? Is there are there other things that I'm not thinking of? What, what what are your opinions on that? 
I would say it's a little bit of – I would lean more on Lincoln Riley because he's got a little bit more conservative as a play caller. And sometimes, you know, when he wants the big play, he calls something just really dumb. Like the shovel pass, why would you even call that? Yep. That was a yep. terrible timing of that call. They've been um, running it down their throats the entire game. You call a shovel pass. Yeah, and in the post game, he did say he was like, "Yeah, that was that was dumb. Essentially, he, like, we shouldn't have done that. That was on me." So, um, at least he recognizes it. But I think the play calling is just it's just not where it needs to be for this offense. I mean, when you have a hot hand on the on the running back like Kennedy Brooks, um, you know he's limited because of his pass blocking. Essentially, you, I mean, you saw it; he whiffed on a, a pass block mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, completely. So. Um, that kind of gives it away whether it's going to be a pass or a run. And whereas you have like Eric Gray, who's still not not that great in pass protection, but you can do some more dynamic things as far as disguising what's a run and what's a pass. So, um, but at the same time, uh, Kennedy Brooks is working. I don't know why you wouldn't wouldn't just stick with it till till Nebraska proves otherwise. So you're not buying into the whole. This is a Lincoln. This is Lincoln Riley's non-con playbook thing a little bit i'll buy into that a little bit are you a little bit how how much is it then how much about 30 percent. okay i'll buy into that 30 not that much though because like it it is an issue because we become we become used to this trend right over the last however Mm -hmm. many years of man he needs to do this okay he he he'll say uh, we should have ran the ran the ball more i mean heck the run was there all day and i don't care if it was a gt counter I don't care if it was a zone uh, run blocking scheme. They had a lot of room to run and it was just, it was just unbelievable. And so like, Oh, hasn't been able to go over the top because people are playing soft coverages, forcing Spencer Rattler to make the right decisions to see if he has made that mental jump. And I don't know if he has. And of course he'll go th- grow through the year as he did last year. But this team, I still think has potential to be really, really good at the same time people are mad about Oklahoma being undefeated in a top five team. And then you have like (laughs) this weird, 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 toxic positivity. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like these people that are like sunshine pumpers that they're like, Hey, the game, they won the game and you you should stop being mean to the players and they don't deserve criticism and yada, yada. You know what I'm talking about? Like these, these toxic positivity, sunshine pumpers. I tried to rationalize it like this last night and I had some people agree with me. I had some people that like just totally blew back on it. And I want to get your opinion on it. The reason why people are pissed that OU is three, and know, and it's not just because they're winning by the skin of their teeth because they have, I mean like Nebraska, they should have blown them out. They sh- they're a far better team than Nebraska there. You saw, uh, they're a far better team than Tulane. Of course, they blew out Western Carolina like they should have. The reason is because Oklahoma has publicly, publicly, not just the team, but the coaches expressed again that they deserve to be in that national title spot. They are deserving of that. And you see that weekly in and out, and then they're winning with the skin of their teeth against Tulane, in which Ole Miss was taking care of them 62-21 to 21 in the third quarter. You see Georgia dog-walking everybody else in their conference, despite the fact they haven't played Alabama yet. And so that's why I think people are, are really angry, is because you want to say you want to be a part of the national title picture, but at the same time, 
you are putting on these performances that like the height, the ceiling you can get to is the big 12 title game. Once again, like, is that wrong? Is there more to it? Is, am I taking a totally different angle? Like what, what's, what's going on here? Um, I think you should be angry. Um, you know, this isn't a team that's performed up to that standard. I mean, they're still what ranked number four in the AP, something like that. Um, but what's so frustrating is they keep saying they deserve to be there. Um, the players say it, the coaches say it, OU social media is just all over it. Um, but they haven't proved anything. Like they haven't proved that they, they should be there. They they're basically basing all their, their future success on what they did against Florida, um, in the cotton bowl. But, um, I think, I think it was Emmanuel Ocho said something about this, not particularly for Oklahoma, but, uh, I think it was for, for Texas essentially, but you get so accustomed to, you know, previous success that you don't, you just kind of expect it. You don't really work to get it. You just kind of expect it's going to be there because you show up. And I think this team kind of has that right now, both as players and coaches, like you have to go out every day and, and work to be the number four team in the nation. And it just doesn't feel like they do that right now. It's just, it's, it's mystifying to some, to some aspects because I mean, the line of the West Virginia game is at 14 and a half. And I can guarantee you a lot of people are already <laughs> like, I'm betting I'm Give taking the under. Yeah. I'm taking the under on that because they haven't given anybody reason to believe that Oklahoma will actually cover the spread. Right. Right. And right after that, you go to Kansas State in Manhattan, in which Kansas State climbing is doing exactly what I thought they would do at Kansas State that he did in North Dakota State, in which they're just pounding the hell out of teams despite the, their quarterback issue. They're still winning. They're playing solid defense, and the, both of those teams are going to be teams that are going to do are going to basically try to do the same thing that Nebraska did: play soft coverages, keep everything in front of them and then be very physical in the trenches. And both teams have both th- both of those qualities, and they're going to be challenges for OU heading on to that Texas game. And so OU might catch a break on the defensive line and the trenches from their offensive line standpoint against Texas because Kansas State and West Virginia, both defensively, are sound. These dudes don't make that many mistakes. Dante Stills from West Virginia is going to be a legit NFL dude that they're going to face. It might be a problem. And so Oklahoma's returned so many guys from last year. We talked about this. You mentioned to me that they don't have tone setters. You had Ramondre Stevenson ready to run an um, MFR over. You had Ronnie Perkins ready to kill dudes. Like you actively saw Ronnie Perkins just clown guys in Bedlam last year and get in their face and be willing to honestly kill them at the mo- at a moment's notice. And so you have over 20 guys. Is this a sense of entitlement, like you just mentioned about Emmanuel Acho, that they think they should be there, therefore it's that? Or are there other things that we're not really seeing that is beyond our control? Well, I still still think they're trying to figure out who they want to play and at what times. But um, I would say a majority of that's just entitlement because – you spent the entire offseason just hearing that, yeah, this is a really good team. They're going to go for the title. Look with it against Florida. They, you know, they've got, what, five, six Big 12 championships in a row. Um, so they're just going to do it again. And that can get to you um, as a team. So uh, I don't think they've really been asked to go out and prove it. They've just been asked to go out there and show up. And that's kind of 
kind of where this team is right now, and it will get them beat eventually if they, if they don't go out and prepare like they are one of the top teams in the nation. And so we've gotten we're we're getting comments in the comment section, and I promise we're not ignoring you. Like I know, like we've got comments saying that we're a pretender once again. Uh, talking about the Sooners, uh, talking about you know they hope they're wrong, but they think we're gonna, they think their Sooners are going to lose next weekend. Before we get to that, why are they still rotating Rame? Why why is Lincoln Riley and Bill Beanie? But why are they still no rotating idea. Rame and Congle? Uh, I, I guess I would just defer to my old answer is like they just really want to see Rame take over that position and maybe he just hasn't in practice. I mean Congle or Congle, whatever you want to call it, maybe he's just a really good practice player and Rame just, you know, continues to make mistakes here and there and they're just kind of working him into it. And they just want to see him really take over that spot um in in the rotation or not not have a rotation essentially. So that'd be my only guess. Yeah, I have no idea because it's quite clear that once Rain gets into the game. They play better. It, I I don't I don't have any other idea what's going on here, and so going on to moving on from this game. Of course, like we wanted this game to be. A, they're commemorating the 50th anniversary of the game of the century. It was a good game. It was. It's fun game. to watch if you're not a fan. If, if you're not a fan of if you're not a fan of OU Nebraska fans, I'm sure enjoy the game. They're like, hey, they they're going toe to toe with the top five yeah. team that they expect to get blown out, blown out against. And so if, as, as a casual standby, like I'm sure people were like, Hey, that's a pretty decent game. Despite the fact that, you know, there's other things and other issues going on, but what are some negatives or question marks? I suppose that we take away from this game heading into West Virginia. Oh man. I mean, we talked about the offense, so we'll, we'll try some defensive stuff. I think the linebackers are in big trouble. Um, they've had so much trouble in coverage or overrunning, uh, you know, their responsibilities, cutback lanes, that kind of stuff. It just hasn't been a good showing for Brian Odom's group, and I'm not exactly think, sure. Yeah. Do you think that might have been the result of having, with the exception of Western Carolina, do you think that might have been the might have been the result of having dudes like Pratt and Adrian Martinez, which are both mobile quarterbacks? A little bit. I mean, those guys, for what it's worth, they're tough to cover. They're I mean, they're really good players, and, you know. Maybe not Heisman caliber quarterbacks, but in respect to Adrian Martinez, is a very good runner, um, and he can make you pay in, the, in in some regards. So, I think some of that is just they've been playing some really good quarterbacks. It, I agree. I think the defensive line played well. I think the defensive line played really yeah. well, especially when the game was on the line, especially when they were basically like shoot the gap, go kill somebody. They did it. And that's what bugs me the most about this team is that when the game was on the line, especially for the Sooner defense, and they knew, of course, Nebraska had to pass the ball, so they knew a pass was coming. They were able to just get in the backfield, but that's their MO regardless anyways. If they're not playing two gaps anymore, your responsibility as far as a defensive lineman in a one-gap scheme is shoot the gap, cause disruption, and cause chaos in the backfield. And you weren't seeing that too much you saw you saw a, a decent amount during the game as the game especially went on but when the game was on the line it was clear they could flip a switch and go from like above average to yeah really good it was to very to impressive that last elite, series the elite level and they were just killing people that's what really bugged me the most the linebackers yeah i agree they can work on some stuff they've got a lot of stuff to work on especially in coverage you know david aguebu getting lost a little bit 
Brian Those crossing Asamoah, routes are killer. Uh, Brian Asamoah is really good sideline to sideline, and he's the guy that I'm really high on. But again, it's another guy that I'm still too not that not that excited about. I really like him as a player. I think he's got great lateral movement. But I'm just I'm I'm really really curious to see like how he and Al and and Brian Odom who retweeted basically like this philosophical tweet <laughs> about hey you need to get better essentially this next and, week's gonna suck and, for you yeah and Deshaun White has not been impressive and of course Danny Stutzman with him being out for for the foreseeable future I mean he was in a sling so he had surgery so he's not I don't he I think he's done for the year. And so I'm just really curious about them, but they have less things to less things to work on um, than I think some of the defensive backs do. I mean, and let's let's preface it with this: I think the game looks a little bit different if you have Billy Bowman there and Woody Washington, right? Yep. And I mean, they moved Pat, and I maybe looked at the game wrong. Maybe I just like seeing an unintended takeaway. I saw. Justin Broyles playing safety, and I saw Pat Fields playing some nickel. And then, of course, DJ Graham and Jaden Davis on the cornerback spots and DTY at, at safety. And my goodness, not not good. Not, <laughs> not what good. you want to see. N- at all. And, like, you would think that you'd – and you saw a lot of, of Latrell McCutcheon. You saw no Justin Harrington, so I guess they're not as high on him as I thought I was going. I was excited about him, but maybe he, that's a guy that just comes in later on on the year, comes on and on. Maybe I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, but, man, the secondaries, they have a lot to work on because they are getting beat man coverage. I mean, once they if once they flip to zone, they played pretty well. And mm-hmm. so that's what I'm looking forward to, to see them against Kansas state. Cause I imagine they're going to play plenty of zone against Kansas state, but a team like, like Nebraska, I don't also don't understand why they're playing man against Nebraska. Why are you playing man against Nebraska instead of zone? But again, like you said, those killer crossing routes, especially once Asia Martinez runs left or right, sucks the defense up, has a tight end wide open in the middle or at the boundaries it's there. And so it's, all about the defense working from the front to the back and then the, the defensive it, they, they're good they've got some issues they need to work out and the good thing is is they're not limited talently talented talentedly talent wise they're not limited talent-wise, in their yeah. talent they can fix those things it's just a matter of getting down to doing those things now what are positives that you can take away from this game because i think there are some positives you can take away yeah, I mean, the the biggest positive is probably the offensive line play, especially in the middle of the field. Um, I thought that was, you know, I thought that was pretty impressive, you know, from what we saw two weeks ago against Tulane. Um, another thing, I think Jaden Hazelwood is starting to kind of get back into the field tonight. He's he's catching up to speed um, with the game. I thought, you know, in the spring, he definitely looked very timid as far as a route runner. Um against Tulane you kind of saw flashes of what he could be but he was never a consistent factor in this game you have a guy that you can kind of in a weird way like Theo Weiss mm-hmm. like you he, he's not going to make a huge play but he's always going to make a consistent play and that's what you need sometimes um, especially when you already have a somewhat proven um, playmaker and Marvin Mims who kind of disappeared in this game as well but um, I thought those two were big positives for the offense yeah and Talk about 
talk about wide receivers. Talk about Drake Stoops coming in. The <laughs> offense was like stagnant. Drake Stoops coming in and making two clutch catches on third down to move the sticks to get OU in scoring position. That's a that's a position that OU needs so badly. And Marvin Mims, he was like a, he was a non-factor. You had Jaden Hazelwood catching a. He, I think Jaden Hazelwood caught six balls. Everybody else was at two. Mm. Stogner is a complete non-factor again, though. They're playing those soft zones, and and so they're not letting. They're keeping everything in front of them. Nebraska is, and so OU they should have had three hundred yards of damn rushing, and they could have had three hundred yards of rushing if they kept everything on the ground. So that's a positive because despite how good Nebraska's front seven is, and they still should have been able to stop some sort of OU run, in which they did stymie a couple times, but. For the majority of the night, OU was ripping off runs five and five and a half yards a carry. And if you just consistently just pound them into the ground through the rest of the game, that number trends from 5.5 to roughly six and a half, seven yards per carry, because time after time, that defense is going to wear down. And like it's it's all it's always the offensive line, especially when you have fresh bodies like OU does with a lot of good bodies that are good at run blocking, not necessarily pass blocking. You can get on a roll and you feel less tired when you're the one dishing out the punishment. Whereas if you're on the defensive side of the ball, you're on your heels, you're getting laid out in your back. You're getting, you know, it's like when you look at a football player's helmet. If you have scars on your face mask, uh, that means you've done a hell of a job. And that means you're knocking people on their ass. Right. You have those marks on the back of your helmet, whether it's a little bit kind of like faded, that means you've been planted on your ass. Oklahoma has a had a ton of scars in that face mask. Their offensive line at the end of the game, Nebraska by the end of the game, like I think Marquise Hayes literally just picked up and <laughs> threw a guy ten yards. Like go back and look at the film. I'm pretty I sure. I think there's a linebacker that tried to blitz or something. Something like that. He, Marquise Hayes like seriously launched killed. a dude like five yards, and like they could have done that all game. And so the fact that it seemed like. Kennedy Brooks, Eric Gray, and I get it. It's a long season. They only have one bye week, and it's before those last three games of the season that are most important. Important: Iowa State, Oklahoma State, etc. Those are the games they really want to save up for. Use other running backs. It's okay not just to use scholarship running backs. I mean, Oklahoma played how however many non-scholarship guys for a long time anyways. And so it's just it's alarming to me. Um but positives, yeah, the run game, the the, the, the offensive line is getting better, uh, especially against a, a Big Ten opponent. And you're going to see that West Virginia, you're going to see Kansas State do the same thing to Oklahoma. Uh, on Wednesday, we'll have Andy from Smoking Musket. I already asked him on the timeline because we watch soccer together too. And uh, he's going to come on with us on Wednesday to break down some West Virginia because we didn't get to play them last year. The Sooners didn't get to play West Virginia because the game was canceled due to COVID and everything else. And so I'm curious to see what he thinks because Dante Stills, I think, could have a heck of a game against yeah. Oklahoma Sooners. Um, but that's it for me. Um, Oklahoma wins. In the comments. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think you brought up a good point. Um, Cody Jackson had a pretty good game. Cody Jackson's a guy that that may emerge as, you know, Quietly, maybe one of the better better freshmen on this team. Um, I Same thought he really. Same high school as CD Lamb, right? Yeah, 
I thought he did a really, really good job of um, creating space for himself and getting open. And, and when they needed to move the chains, he was there. So I thought Cody Jackson quietly had a pretty good game there. I think uh, so one Cowboys forever brought up a pretty good point. I think, and this, this feels very, very similar to, it makes me feel weird saying this. It feels very similar to when Josh Heupel became full-time offensive coordinator in Landry Jones, his trajectory kind of plateaued a little bit. I'm not saying Spencer Rattler <laughs> is not as good as Landry Jones. I think he's better. He's a better quarterback. He has a better arm. He has better arm. Don't tell Jay that. But I'm saying that it feels like Spencer Rattler's getting away with bad mechanics. Sometimes he's still not setting his feet. He did better on on Saturday after the rewatch. He did do better driving his the ball forward, but still getting away with bad mechanics. Getting a, trying to get away with throws that, that shouldn't be have been made and so that's a concern and so man I, I'm, I'm just a little bit worried about lincoln riley not letting that letting that get away and not fixing that i'm sure those are things that they practice in you know on monday through friday yada yada through the walkthroughs but it's concerning and i think that though the season's young i think that this team can still win the big 12 I think this team can still win, still make to the college football playoff. I don't know if they'll win a game there, uh, but I'm I am very very worried, uh, especially about going into that Kansas State game to see what they've done to opponents. Are you anyway? In are you on a scale of one to ten? How worried are you right now of winning both West Virginia and Kansas State? One being you're not worried at all. Ten being you're going to press the alarm as far as. OU should be on upset alert for one of the next two games. <laughs> I'd go, I'd go with a seven. I think, um, I think obviously Oklahoma, what, what gives me hope here is Oklahoma when they need to, they will make the big play, especially on defense. Um, it's a matter of, can they get that, that level of play mm-hmm. across the board or at least 80% of the time? Because when they're playing well, they look like the number four team in the nation. Right. Um, it's these these like the third quarter, fourth quarter. They just kind of like basically take take it off, and they they lose that that juice. So, um, what gives me hope is this team could absolutely dominate the Big Twelve. Still, it's just a matter of can they do the things they need to do? Can the coaches motivate this team the way they need to be motivated to do that? That's I'm not, that's the big question mark. So that's why it's a seven for me. I keep on thinking about, and this crossed my mind today, when there's going to be a players meeting only call. Oh, we need one. You know what I mean? We need Caleb Kelly needs to call it too. And sometimes those aren't the one, those are, those are bad signs, but (laughs) it's at some point, something needs to give. Can you imagine Twitter during the the players only meeting? Just an absolute meltdown. It's bad. Like th- this is a team where you want an Eric Stryker. This is a team where you want a Baker yeah. Mayfield. This is a team where you want dudes that are vocal, outspoken. Kenneth Murray would would fit that bill. Yes, one hundred percent. And you're just not getting it right now, or at least from the outside. Maybe yeah, the, your on vocal the inside, dudes, Pat Fields, and Pat Fields is, you know, is a really really good guy, but articulate, well spoken. Oh yeah, ambassador. Yes, you definitely want him on your team, but I don't know if you want him being like the dog of the team. Right. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, no, I I I agree. I I I I wholeheartedly wholeheartedly agree with that. Even if, like if I could just take Ronnie Perkins' mentality and just put it into Jalen Redmond because Jalen Redmond is very talented, then I'd be cool with that. Offensively, the center is like the second captain of the team, right? He sees a lot, and then you've got the quarterback, which. I worry about, I still worry about Spencer Rattler's maturity. I still worry about that. And so at the same time, this team is probably the most talented team on paper in the Big 12. They are. And they should win the Big 12. And they should go undefeated because they do have the best team in the Big 12. They have the best collection of talent anyways. They need to be utilized in the best way possible though. And I'm curious to see what that'll look like going forward. Um, That's all I've got. It's a post game, but do you have anything else? No, I'm good. All right. Well, so I just joined Discord. Of course, and I'll put. And of course, like every time, I'll link that in the in the podcast description. Whether you follow us on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, whatever, uh, follow us on Crimson or CreamMachine.com on Twitter at CC Machine. Uh, you can follow uh, Jack, who comes on with us on Wednesdays at J Larry Shields. You can follow me at Robbie and CCM. If you're uh, live on the feed, you can obviously see mine and Stevens at OU updated SB. Um, again, thanks for listening guys. Thank you for all the interaction, especially one Cowboys forever. It's been in the comment section, killing it. We appreciate you guys. And uh, well, on the next week, the West Virginia, check you guys later. <laughs>